0: This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. In today's episode, we're talking to Lydia Machova from language mentoring. Lydia is from Slovakia. She learned English and German when she was 11 years old and uh, she worked. She used to work as a professional interpreter and she did interpreting work for celebrities like Ryan Tracy, Tony Robbins, also the former uh, prime minister of Slovakia. And because of her passion for languages, she speaks like nine languages today and she helps others to learn a second third maybe even a fourth language with her business called language mentoring uh, L- lydia also gave a ted talk which got more than six million views and um yeah today i'm um, interviewing her here on the show always a pleasure to talk to lydia if you guys are ready then let's get started here's the interview enjoy hey lydia how are you doing today
1: Hi Jan, I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. And uh, how should your working day be so far with your your team?
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, I usually uh, start my working days with working by myself for about two hours on something creative. And then Mm -hmm. I communicate with my team about all the other things that need to be done. So this seems to be working out just fine.
0: Cool. How big is uh, language mentoring's team at the moment?
1: Currently, there are 10 of us, but we are actually going to add two more people very soon, in the next two months. So we, are, we seem to be constantly growing.
0: Well, today in this interview, guys, we're going to talk about how Lydia built her team. But before that, I'm going to talk a little bit about her um, story, Lydia, because you used to work as an interpreter. And um, you were working with the big names huh? like Brian, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins. Some very high-level politicians um, But then all of a sudden you stop and you decide okay, I I don't want to do this anymore I want to help other people learning a foreign language. How do you make this transition? Why? How did that go? Yeah,
1: sure. So first of all, it was a job that I really loved at the beginning And I did it for six years and and I was quite happy with it, but at the same time I I realized that there were several um, several reasons for me to change my career uh, mm-hmm. One of them was that I realized that as an interpreter, I will always have to exchange my time for money. So mm-hmm. if I work, I get paid. If I don't work, I don't get paid, right? Mm-hmm. So that was uh, one reason. Second reason is I was really interested in, in learning languages rather than just using them for professional purposes. And so mm-hmm. I kept adding new languages and it wasn't really helping my career as, a, mm-hmm. as an interpreter. I didn't mm-hmm. have them on such a high level. And then I wanted to, yeah, start an online business with something so that I would be more flexible, I could travel more, I wouldn't have to be bound to a specific place. And so all of this put together uh, in combination with my life situation, which was that I was finishing my PhD studies and I was kind of deciding what do I do next. is all led yeah. me to, uh, to figure out my own online business
0: with language mentoring. So this interpretation job, this was something you did on the side when you were a student?
1: And the interpreting, you mean? Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I was a I was a full time PhD student, but also yeah. I lived off interpreting. So, uh, mm-hmm. I I did, I worked in the in the times in the months where uh, there were so many conferences. I, I I worked many days a week for you know interpreting different conferences, and then in the summer, I I didn't have as as many jobs because there are not so yeah. many events.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, then how did you come up with the idea to start a business for yourself? Like, do you have any friends or people around you who who were into entrepreneurship? Or
1: Well, that's, that's actually the, I think that's quite a, the interesting bit because um, I didn't at that time when I was starting, I didn't really have anyone in my, within my family or friends and I had to, I actually made a list of people to reach out to who I knew a little bit but we were not really close friends so I reached out to them and I said hey could we please go for a coffee or dinner or something I have a few Mm -hmm. questions to ask you and I was I was actively working on my networking so that I learned the the um, entrepreneurship skills that I needed right and I also started to network a lot going to many events and just try to learn okay what are the possibilities what could I possibly do
0: I see so you had heard about people who run their own business, maybe an online business, but yeah, you just didn't know them very well yet and you were looking for ways to connect to them and to see if this was something for you.
1: Exactly. And at the beginning, I wasn't necessarily looking for infopreneurs or info business people because I didn't really know much about it. But I also reached out to people who mm-hmm. were doing any type of business, uh, even the yes. traditional type of business, just to see, you know, what, what should I learn, who should I turn to kind of get by in this whole area mm. because, uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really know where to start. It was, of course, it, as, as you know, to start doing any type of business, you need to start learning about how, how it all works, right?
0: So when was like the moment that you realized, like, okay, I think I can do this. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to stop with my interpreting job and I'm going to do this.
1: Uh, It wasn't a decision which I would make before uh, finishing that job. I wasn't sure that I could do it. At the beginning, I was, I I doubted myself, obviously. And, And for example, when I talked to some friends of mine or my family, very close people who were close to me, many of them were really skeptical, right? Because basically my idea was that I want to create a business where people learn by themselves. I will not teach them. And this is what I will live off. So people will pay me in order to learn by themselves, right? And yeah. so you can imagine, before I created it and made it possible, many people were like, oh, come on, Lydia, no one is going to pay you money for that, right? People want a teacher, they want a quick fix, they want a quick solution. And mm-hmm. so many people were actually uh, turning, me, uh, turning me off with this. And they said, uh, "I'm putting, putting me off, they would say things like, yeah. oh, this will never work, don't even bother. So I didn't have a point where I would say, no, this is totally going to work and I'm going to put all my, all my eggs in this one basket. So I still interpreted, and I started to do little experiments, like with my friends and and students at the university, to test my ideas. And then yeah. once I saw the reactions, then I put it out there for clients and started to mm. charge for that.
0: And how how could these clients find you? Because you had done this experience. You have a website, a blog that you already have a following, or no, I didn't.
1: So I started I started with my with my website on my birthday. This was my deadline. And I actually suggested to people who are thinking about starting something, make a deadline and, mm-hmm. and make sure you, you keep it because it, of course, meant that I would be working day and night a few mm-hmm. days before my birthday. But uh, it was totally worth it because otherwise I would probably never feel ready. And um, yeah, so I started with live events in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. This is how I got my first client. I did not sell an online product right away. But I sold yeah. uh, live seminars, which I, um, I, I had a, a place in Bratislava for about 20 people. And yeah. they, so they put it in their network. They had a Facebook page. They had some following. And this was something that would be interesting to the people coming to that cafe and going to their events.
0: So you so. weren't selling anything. It was actually that, that, that place selling the tickets for you.
1: Yes, but they, they would not sell out all the tickets. I had to do the marketing, but I had to figure out ways how to do it. So I started... Uh, I, I started collecting some likes on my Facebook page. You know, the first day I would get get 100 and I would feel super happy about it. They were all my friends, not necessarily interested in my topic, but they wanted mm. to support me, which was nice. Uh, but then I realized that when when they liked some of my stuff, some of my posts, then mm. their friends noticed it and maybe their friends were more, more interested in, in that. And, and, you know, they mm. would come, uh, come to the seminar and see uh, whether they can get any value. So okay. I managed to sell out even the first seminar and I, I remember that the first days were not quite easy. I only sold one ticket and then nothing for a few days. Yeah. Um, but then I was trying to, I mean, tell anyone that I thought would be even slightly interested. And then my friends mm. sharing posts and this cafe place sharing posts and somehow it worked out.
0: So, what kind of places were these? Uh, these stages where you spoke, like, because we might have listeners here. And I think that are thinking, okay, that actually sounds like a good plan. I want to do so, something similar. To what kind of places should they reach out? Because, like, it can't be a big theater or something, right? So, no, what is it like? Universities, co-working spaces, or like, how, how can we find exactly. these
1: places? It should be a co-working space. This one was a cafe which organized. Uh, it was called Edu Cafe, so it was a lot of educational workshops at a cafe, mm. right? Um, but it should be a space which already has some community. I would suggest co-working spaces for sure. They often yeah. organize seminars to help people learn new skills mm. and, uh, and languages are interesting for most people out there, right? Mm. So yeah, check out some local co-working spaces, uh, see if they have some following and ask them if you could do a workshop. The, mm. the goal of the workshop should not be to earn money necessarily, mm. but just to get mm. the word out there and to test the ideas. Yeah. That's why I strongly recommend this before doing an online product because you might find out that this is not the best way to, um, to uh, put your know-how out there because people mm-hmm. are not interested or they do not react well to that particular uh, yeah. type of know-how, right? But when you test it and you see, oh wow, I, I sold out this seminar and people then recommended it to someone else, that's when you yeah. know, okay, this is interesting, it might be worth putting into an online product.
0: Exactly, and because you are in the room there with the people, so you can actually ask them for feedback, see the reaction on on their faces. I think one of the mistakes that some online entrepreneurs make is they they create a product, and actually I'm guilty of this myself as well, but we create a product that we like, we really think it's good, we start selling it, and you know, some people buy, some people don't buy, but we do not really get any feedback, so you know is our product good or, or not so it, yeah i definitely think that it's it's a great idea to um, talk to your audience and you can do that over skype one one. but yeah i can imagine if you're in a room there you can you know see the reaction yeah. on their face you can talk to them after the event um, so yes. that's something that you, do you think that this has been like a major contribution to where you oh, are absolutely. today?
1: If I compare my first workshop with what is now my online product, it's a it's a huge difference. Because oh, every yeah. single time I did uh, more than 10 of those workshops and every single time I would improve it based on the feedback. Right. So for example at the beginning I found out that, mm, I, I would just tell people okay and what you can do. Also to improve your listening skills is to watch some series and movies, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of them online, so go ahead and watch. And, and then one of the people would ask, okay, what about subtitles? Should I watch them with Slovak subtitles, which is my mm-hmm. mother tongue, or with um, English, the original subtitles, right? and then i would say okay this is something new to you then let me tell you more about it and and yeah. so next next workshop i would tell them more about how to work with the subtitles and what they can do for example with the script of the series and stuff like that and so it it was it, it kept prolonging and prolonging the
0: mm-hmm. whole
1: workshop and now i know that people are interested in this particular thing in more detail and it's not mm-hmm. enough to just tell them okay what's some series
0: yeah so i i can imagine like giving all these talks gives you a very good foundation of um, you know knowing what to what you need to put in your co- into your courses right exactly
1: yeah it's it was the perfect perfect school for me to to learn uh, how to present my know-how how yes. to systematize it because I think it's extremely important and and what people are interested in so I try to always give them what they want
0: right okay so when you gave your first workshop that you already have an online audience or was that the beginning
1: that was the very beginning uh, my first workshop was on the 30th of April And I started the website on the 2nd of April, so I had one month to sell out the tickets. And by that time I had maybe 300 likes on Facebook, mostly from my own network of friends.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I think like in a very short period of time you gave lots of these workshops, not just in Bratislava, but also in other cities in uh, Slovakia. And then also like the local media, they picked it up, right?
1: These live workshops are actually a great way to attract the, the attention of media or even m- maybe not big media but just like small blogs or people interested in your topic, um, mm. because once they once they see um, that there is something going on, they can come and they can talk to you, right? Or they just contact contacted me because they found it interesting, and I find mm. this is much more um, much more useful than just having a Facebook ad about let's say a mm. webinar, right? No one will reach out to you because you have an interesting webinar, but people will reach out to you if you have a a live seminar somewhere. Mm. So that that I think was was very useful for to to get uh to get traction in in the media for sure.
0: Yeah. So do you think that, like, when you once you start doing these events, you got like some traction, and then the media pick you up, you got even more traction? Do you think that this was like the beginning of uh, what maybe was exponential, uh, exponential growth? Or, or? yeah,
1: ab- absolutely. I mean, in my particular case, I presented it in a way which would be interesting for the media. So I realized this once I saw that they are interested. I was uh, thinking a lot about what to tell the media so that they are interested. Right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, they are very interested in the typical mistakes that people make in, when learning a language. And mm-hmm. I would always make sure that I include it in my uh, answers to their questions in the interview so that yeah. it will be easier for them to present it as, oh, wow, this is sensational, you know, this is a whole new thing, a whole new way of learning languages. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then more and more media got, got, uh, got interested. And right now, after three and a half years, uh, many people actually recognize me in the streets of Slovakia because of all the media that I've, I've been in. Yeah,
0: great. I think also very interest, interesting for our listeners because most of us, you know, most of the people who run an online language business or have an online audience, most of us create that audience by either blogging, YouTube videos, or maybe even a podcast like we are doing now. But um, yeah, as you can see, there's also another way um, by... Organizing local, local workshops and uh, you know really get all that attention from the local media um, Very interesting. So what was like the next step? So you were featured in all these you know magazines television even television programs. What was the next step for you?
1: So I kept uh, uh, My goal from the beginning was to move it to the online world as soon as I can mm-hmm. so this yes. was this was the plan I will start with offline and mm. soon I got quite tired of it because I did the workshops, which took eight hours. I was standing, I was presenting something yeah. in a, you know, motivated voice and it was a lot of energy. So once I was happy with the product, I put it uh, into an online video course mm. and I've been I've been selling it ever since. So mm. now my focus is I don't do any live events anymore. Mm. Uh, I don't accept any invitations to speak to other audiences either mm. because it takes too much energy. And yeah. I only concentrate on marketing and selling my online products now.
0: So basically, after you know having given this talk, this workshop, so many times, you knew what people wanted to hear. So you're perfect at your talk, and then eventually, when you thought, okay, now it's, now it's really as good as it can be, you you hire like a a video guy who came and recorded the whole thing exactly
1: yeah Ooh. I mean it, it wasn't the you know it wasn't the best version I could possibly make. Now I, I would like to improve a lot of things in the in the online product, but it was good enough. and this is I think also something very important because many of our many of us are perfectionists and we always think about how good it could still be and how better it could it could get. but mm-hmm. this will not get you anywhere because uh, you can keep improving things forever, but uh, as it was, I realized it was, it was good enough because it gave the value to people that they needed. To, yeah. you know to, to create a change in their lives
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so now now it basically my goal my, my task right now is to take care of the online marketing and the sales and mm-hmm. now my team is running uh, basically the courses for me mm-hmm. so I don't have to do the uh, the executive in
0: the job so how do you so yeah when was the moment for you when you actually realized okay I can make a living with this because that was first. That was first the big the big question in the beginning, right? Does this work or not? Yes, people are coming to my workshop. But can I actually make a living of this? When was the the moment you realized it's possible? Was that like after the first workshop?
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so even after the first workshop, I realized I can earn. Uh, let's say decent money with it, but I realized I cannot do this forever because it's just like interpreting. I mean, you you give a workshop, you give so much energy in there, and that's where you get money, right? But mm-hmm. if you are traveling the world for three months, you're not earning anything. So I knew from the start that I need to automate stuff, I need to put it online. And mm-hmm. the, the, I think the breakthrough point was uh, with my first webinar, where mm-hmm. I, I gave uh, an online presentation and I sold the online product, which was already there. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I realized that people are actually interested in that and they want to buy it and they bought it, right? So I got a few thousand euros from, from this single webinar by selling yeah. the online product. That's when I realized, okay, if I amplify this and if I, if I make sure that I get a wider reach to more people... Mm-hmm. then this is interesting because the money can be earned even without me if if the sales yeah. is automatizing
0: mm-hmm. when you started you already knew a lot about language learning um, but you maybe didn't know so much about online marketing and about business how do you how do you learn all this do you have a mentor or do you have like friends who are doing the same um, can you give some tips to listeners that Know about languages, but they don't know so much about how they how they uh, how they can learn the business aspect sure. of uh, So
1: first of all, I, I have to really say I didn't know anything about online marketing or marketing in general. Like I was literally tabula rasa, as they say. You know, mm. I didn't I didn't have any any skills at all, and I just started learning because I found it interesting and very useful. So mm. yes, I do I do have a mentor, and I've had him for uh, ever since the beginning for the last three and a half years. I found a guy who, uh, who is very good at online marketing and he was looking for someone to help him with his English. So we mm-hmm. basically make, made an exchange. Uh, so that, that was very fortunate for me because I didn't have to pay uh, for all these hours of mentorship that I got from him. Yeah. And besides, I, I watched uh, several video courses from other marketers. I read blogs and subscribed to emails. So I think mm-hmm. it takes this um, general interest You need to Mm. set your mind to be interested in all this Mm. information. And then I I tested out new things and saw what worked. And there are still a lot of things which I know I could try, but haven't had time to really implement them. So this is something that I see now as my main job in my business. Mm. I am not, I don't concentrate as much time on learning new stuff about languages and language learning, although I would like to, it's interesting, Mm. but I find it's much more important to learn more about online business because... I've, I've seen many people who are so good at what they do, but if they haven't learned the the art of, of online marketing, they can never monetize and live off their their expertise, which is a pity.
0: Do you think it would have been possible to be where you're, where you're today without a mentor? Uh,
1: yes, certainly. I don't think it's absolutely necessary to have a mentor. Mm -hmm. um it helps to have someone that you can turn to and ask a question but it doesn't necessarily need to be a mentor it can easily be a community of people uh let's say if if there is a facebook community where other people are in a similar situation and you ask them something and someone gives you an idea and there are many Mm -hmm. facebook communities like that right Mm -hmm. so i i think uh it's definitely possible but you need to keep learning even if you i mean there is never a point, I think there will never be a point in my life where I will say, okay, now I know enough about online marketing and I don't need to learn mm-hmm. anything new because things keep improving and, and, and changing all the time. So yeah. and as I see this as, as a language that I will keep on learning forever uh, mm-hmm. as long as I have my business or as long as uh, or until I find someone to, to do it instead of me. But I don't mm-hmm. have such plans right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have tips for people who are maybe looking for a mentor or a community? where can you find it and the most important thing how can you attract a mentor you know because some people think that it's just a matter of sending an email hey do you want to help me and that the mentor is going to be happy to help them but i think as you you share like you are offering value to that person and that's
1: that's exactly how i think people should reach out to interesting people they don't need to be mentors or people who call themselves business mentors uh, they can easily be people who are uh, who are in a similar niche. Let's say yeah. they they help people lose weight or something, right? Mm-hmm. And they have gone through that process, and their business is running very well. So mm-hmm. I think it's it it's worth at least one email trying to reach out and say, "Hey, I'm really interested in in your know-how. I, you know, I would love to have the opportunity to ask you a few questions. Is there anything I can do to help you? For example, are you interested in something that I can offer? Right? Mm-hmm. I always start with are you interested in learning a, a new language? You know, can I help you with that? And mm. I, I, got a lot of mentors in my life uh, with this because many people are interested in learning a new language. I can help them with that. I can create a shortcut for them, and mm. so they are happy to exchange know-how for know-how.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So then maybe the advice for the listeners would be think about what you're good at. For you, it was languages. It was English in particular because people in Slovakia want to speak, want to be able to speak English, right? And then offer that as, uh, yeah, as something that you can give in return for, for all the knowledge that you're going to get, right? Offer value first. Okay, what about communities? Um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, do you go to local entrepreneur meetups or are you also part of online communities? And how can we find these communities?
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely suggest uh, browsing on Facebook. So if mm. you if you write it, preferably in your own language so that you find people from your country, uh, from yeah. from you know near you, uh, who mm-hmm. are interested in that? So for example, something like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, business, um, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. and or online marketing, marketers, stuff like that. If you just browse the internet uh, for a group local groups like that, but I mm-hmm. also I got to know the most interesting people in live events where I mm-hmm. went to meetups of entrepreneurs. There is this uh, website meetup.com, for example. Mm-hmm. There are many interesting events going on, I looked on Facebook, I looked at Facebook and um, th- there were many, many events happening that I didn't even know about or not, mm-hmm. even, not even like community meetups, but also some workshops where I knew that people interested in that topic will gather and yeah. I can find people who present, so I can ask them, but I can also find other people who are in a similar situation than me. And I think yeah. it, it helps immensely to have some other people who are going through that same situation with you. So that's why mm-hmm. I started a few masterminds uh, in my, in my business career where I just wanted to, uh, connect with people who are similar to
0: yeah, me. Cool. Um, and then, you know, you were doing all these, you were giving all these workshops and then eventually also got invited for a, TED, a TEDx talk. And then a year later or something, you got this email from Tad, like the official TED. And they asked you if you wanted to talk at their event in New York. Um, How was that? It
1: was incredible. (laughs) I couldn't believe it at the beginning. Once Mm. I got the email, I was like, this must be a joke, right? Because TED is just so huge. And I thought I would never, no one would ever notice me at this stage when I'm not so well known and I don't have that many videos and I haven't published a book, right? And yet they reached out to me and and they said, we really think you have something important to share with the world. So yeah. that felt amazing, yeah, of course. It was also incre- incredibly stressful. <laughs> I felt it was a great responsibility to prepare a talk, which would be good and where I would say one interesting, info- you know, idea or information in 10 minutes. Uh, but now now that I've, I see how many views it, it has got so far, I, I, I think I think I did a good job, but I didn't think it at that time.
0: Yeah. What were the reactions from the people that you got after, after this Talk was published on Tad's oh, website on people their YouTube people? channel. What people do you mean? Um, like, like people who watch the videos what, what are they saying in the comments
1: yeah I've I received so many very positive comments and and many people tell me that just by watching that TED talk, they got inspired to brush up on their old Spanish or French or something so this is mm. this is what uh, totally makes my day whenever I, I see that comment um, because people uh, that, that's my goal right to motivate people to learn languages because I don't think it's that difficult. you just need to start doing it. And so I, I didn't realize that it would motivate them so much, but it did, so that, that was my goal. Yeah.
0: Do you think that this TED Talk has made like a, a big in impact uh, in your business or maybe not as big as, as you thought? Um, how big was the impact? It's,
1: it? it's very difficult to measure because my business is growing and uh, for example in Slovakia TED is not such a huge thing. Many people mm. don't really know TED. I think it's better known out there, especially in the US, right? It, it has yeah. some credibility. Uh, in Slovakia, for example, my business has been growing immensely. I think it's not a direct impact of the TED Talk, so mm-hmm. it's it's really really difficult to measure. But I have definitely received a few interesting invitations uh, mm. to to speak uh, to people all over the world. I mean, to talk about them about some projects or to speak at their events. So mm. I, I'm 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 sure that it will still bring me something something positive in the future because that is huge, right? And and the talk is still gaining audience, which i don't quite
0: how many views uh, has the video had so far?
1: it's more than six million by now and and uh, so today it's been online for uh, about ten months right it yeah. It was almost one million every month i I, I still oh. cannot believe it
0: okay let's talk again about language mentoring because that's your that's your main business um, Can you tell the people maybe uh, what you do because you already said you are not you don't believe in um in in teaching someone a language they have to do with they have to do it themselves um how do you help how do you help people learning a a second third maybe even a fourth language
1: right so i I need to just quickly um explain how i got to this idea because i was a language teacher i taught english as a foreign language in slovakia for 10 years and i so i had quite a lot of experience teaching it and then Mm. on the other hand i had a lot of a lot of experience learning other languages after Mm. Uh, English and German at school, I started to learn Spanish, Polish, French, Russian, Esperanto, etc. And um, I saw there is a huge difference between my results and the results of my students, right? Mm -hmm. And then it all totally dawned on me once I uh, went to polyglot events. I started with polyglot gathering in Berlin. And when I got to know a lot of people, such as yourself, and I mm-hmm. started to talk to everyone about their methods, I and mean, then maybe you even remember some of our initial talks, I was just so interested in it, like, how did you learn all these languages and how did you start? And I found mm-hmm. it fascinating that so many polyglots have the story of not being good at languages. I mean, your story is also very similar mm-hmm. in this way, right? So, I mean, you even had someone, your teacher, I think, t- tell you that you should not work with languages because you're not good at them, mm-hmm. right? and yeah. then a few years later you end up speaking 10 or 15 or i don't know how many and it's just incredible right yeah. and i i realized i want to be the bridge between this world of polyglots and the world of people out there who are struggling to learn a language because everybody seems to be struggling so that's that's what language mentoring is all about i i am trying to figure out what do polyglots have in common how do i myself learn languages how do other people learn languages what are the common principles and how do I present it to people out there who are not crazy about languages, but mm-hmm. how do I get them interested in the language enough to work on it by, them, by themselves? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I do. And so I mentioned I have some video courses. That's where yeah. I have the know-how for yeah. beginners and for a more intermediate and above level students. Yeah. And on top of that, so my main product, my main yeah. flagship product where I actually do the language mentoring with people is yeah. called Autodidact Academy. And okay. it's a course where 50 people get together all online. Everybody learns their own language. It doesn't matter if I speak it or not. And yeah. I give them the know-how on how to do it, how to create a system, a learning yeah. plan in their language. And then they do it and we follow their learning, we motivate them, we help them answer the questions. And yeah. and in two months, they can actually get a very, very nice uh, result with their work because they see the improvement.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Okay and you have a team who helps you running this uh, this online program right exactly yeah okay. so i now have
1: i now have people who i certify as language mentors and mm-hmm. and these people run the courses in my name i mean they take mm-hmm. care of all these people they uh, make sure that uh, everybody has access to everything they should and they also help answer the questions and if if there are any questions that they can answer then i answer them myself mm-hmm.
0: right Cool. Okay, so that's going to bring us to the final topic of this interview, um, because as you said, you have a team uh, who are helping you with this. Um, that's helping you with this online program. When did you hire your first team member or employee?
1: So I actually uh, now realize that I had my first team members even before I started to sell uh, the first product. because I was testing it on uh, students, university students. I did an experiment with a hundred students. I wanted to see if it works out and learn how to work with a group like that. It was live, Mm. it was not online. Mm. And I I asked the students in that group who were more active whether they would like to help me with something in the background of this experiment. Mm. And actually two of those students are now on my team. They are my uh, closest collaborators. And uh, and now they manage other people on the team, right? Because they have been with me from the beginning. And yeah. I, I found they're extremely good at so many things. So I try to help them develop the skills that they're good at. So that yeah. was that was back in 20, uh, 2016, yeah, before I even started selling the courses.
0: Do you mainly have contact online or do you also meet them in person? And how do you think like in-person contact is in there? when working with the team?
1: Yeah, so all my team is remote. No one needs to be in Slovakia uh, in order to, to work with me. But uh, nine of those ten people are Slovaks. One of them is a Greek girl. And mm-hmm. um, we like to meet live because we just like each other. We like to hang out. But it's not necessary for for the work to be done. So we mm-hmm. communicate uh, using Slack most mm-hmm. of the time and using other online uh, places such as Google Drive and and you know, uh, Trello, for example, to manage our work, our projects. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also like to meet live because um, we offer to our Slovak clients, we offer uh, an opportunity to meet us live once during the course, because mm-hmm. we want to, we, we find it interesting. And that's when the girls get from all over Slovakia to Bratislava and we meet and we hang out. And we also have team buildings and workations, For example, we mm-hmm. did one in, in Greece uh, this year, and that's just as a, as a team building activity. So I personally love it because I, I love to work with people live and get to know them. Not only, not only to work with them, but get to know them as, you know, human beings. And I think mm-hmm. that makes our work more interesting then.
0: So what do you do during a, a team building holiday or a work holiday?
1: Yeah, so I, I love the word workation because it's like work workation. plus vacation, right? So uh, I, I took uh, four of, of the girls from my team to Corfu in, in Greece. And and we did half of the time we spent working on a concrete project. And another half of the time was just traveling, hanging out, getting to know uh, a new country. Mm-hmm. And so it was a half-half combination of, uh, of work and, and fun. Mm-hmm.
0: When, when would you recommend people to start hiring? Like for you, it was, yeah.
1: It was right from the start. But this is actually one of, one of the recommendations that I got from my... Entrepreneur friends that I reached out to at the beginning. I remember uh, One of one of my friends told me uh, Lydia if I can if I can advise you one thing make sure you get an assistant right away and I was like But I cannot pay an assistant right now. I cannot afford one right and she said no, but make sure you You have you train someone from the beginning give them little tasks to help you with in exchange for anything You can offer them for example, you know um, a place in your in your courses for free Mm -hmm. Or for many of them, it was just interesting to come to the seminar and help me hand out some some worksheets or something so that they could actually see the seminar, right? They didn't have to pay for that. And this is how I got the first people in my team. And uh, yeah, this I, w- I would say as soon as you possibly can, because you will get to a point where there will be just too much work and you will not have time to train the new person. This is what takes most mm-hmm. of the time, and I think many people give up on having an assistant or or someone uh, like a VA, a virtual assistant, mm-hmm. because they they think it takes too much time to train mm-hmm. them, and it does if you don't do it uh, slowly from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But there are there are certain ways how to how you can do it more efficiently. For example, whenever we train someone, we always record it as a, as a screencast video. Mm-hmm. And whenever we need to um, add a new person, or let's say the first person leaves, we just send them the video. We don't need to do the training again. And right now we have a whole list of videos, video trainings about certain apps, about how we do this, how how you know, well, how, how you work with Facebook, etc. And so yeah. anyone new who comes on the team uh, gets these videos and needs to watch them before we even discuss things in detail.
0: Uh. Like, let's say you want to, just in the case you want to hire another team member, where, where do you go? Do you start with your own mailing list? People who already know you, yes. understand your philosophy?
1: This has, this has actually become our company culture. We don't hire people who have not been our clients before. Okay, so you hire... Oh, you're only we, hired, yeah, uh, I only hire uh, my best clients. So this is because when someone sends you a CV and they say they're super motivated and they want to learn languages and, you know, they're good at this and that, they can write anything in the cv right but mm-hmm. once uh, we had someone in our program we actually know how they learned we know how active they were we know we, we follow their uh, learning for two months so we mm-hmm. we know how serious they are about that right
0: and mm-hmm. that's
1: much better for us than cv so we didn't even ask for a cv we only asked for a cover letter when we were um yeah. when we were getting new new people and uh this is how we always do it so now we either pick People who are interesting and we think they would be suitable because of their characteristic features, or in some way they showed that they are systematic, or you know they can work with people, and or or then we send an email and we say we are opening a new space for uh, a language mentor. You know, if you want to join mm. us, then send 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 us a cover letter. And we got yeah. interest uh, from a lot of people actually, much more than we thought. Then we did interviews and and yeah, and these people turn out to be really really good choices.
0: Mm. How do, you, how do you know how much you should pay an employee? Like do you compare to what other people on Upwork are offering, for example, or to like other people in your country or like how do you, Is it a matter of feeling yeah. how much someone needs? Yeah. So
1: first of all, all of the people on my team have started to work for me for free in exchange for the services that I offer. And yeah. I think this is a great way to get new people because if, if you cannot afford to pay someone at the very beginning, you can always yeah. give them some counter value by giving them access to your products or you know helping them in any other way you can, which doesn't cost you time or money. And uh, once they, uh, they prove to be uh, useful uh, and, mm-hmm. and good at what they do, that's when we um, uh, agree on a certain rate, uh, either per project or per hour, depending on the type of work they do. And I try to make sure that they are. I always communicate openly with them. I ask them, uh, what what would you expect? How much time are you willing and able to give this to this project? And what would be a, a good uh, counter value for that in in yeah. payment? And yeah. uh, so far, I haven't had any any problem figuring this out because, um, given that I don't attract people who are just motivated by money, because yeah. I wouldn't like to work with such people. But right. I work with people who are also motivated by having a job that fulfills them, that gives them meaning, uh, that enables yeah. them to grow and learn yeah. something new. Uh, yeah. That's when money is not a big issue. Actually, it's it, I realize that no one has ever asked me about uh, the compensation. No one ever asked me at the job interviews, like, okay, how much will I earn? Mm-hmm. Because it's not relevant. And then I of course make sure that they are they they earn a good living with with that. And you know, it's it's. Um, uh, it, it, value, it, it is equal to the value that they give yeah. and, uh, but I also make sure that they get extra benefits so just to give you an example uh, mm-hmm. all members of our team have um, uh, an education fund where yeah. throughout the year they get maybe 100 euros or so for mm-hmm. um, books or courses or anything else that they uh, want to take to help them mm-hmm. learn and grow right? Mm-hmm. so some, some of the team members did uh, talent tests to find out what their strengths are stuff like yeah. that so yeah so money money is not an issue if you work with the right people who have the right reasons to work with you I would say
0: cool do you have any like general tips for people who want to build a team like how they how they should hire is this something that you recommend to, to everyone to start looking on your own list and yes
1: I got this tip from my business mentor and I, I think it's a really good one because these people already know you and uh, they know your product your services they've been following you for some time. So it will make sense for them to work with you. And there will be a lot of interested people if you already mm. have some following, maybe more than, than you realize or than mm. you expect. And if mm. you don't succeed in your own network, then I would look for people outside of, of mm. my network. But I think it's always better to work with someone who already knows you and, and sees you as, a, as an authority in, yeah. in, your, in your niche or is interested in your topic personally. Because yeah. I think it will... Usually, or not usually, it, it can sometimes backfire if you yeah. are working with someone who, who's only interested in getting paid for the work they do for you. Obviously, yeah. for some jobs like graphic design or, um, yeah. I don't know, SEO and stuff like that, you know, sometimes you need to work with people who have nothing to do with languages and are, are not really interested. So I yeah. also hire external helpers with that. <laughs> but whenever yeah. I can, I try to first uh, reach out to my database and I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great advice
0: yeah great well Lydia thank you thank you very much yeah we went um, we went through the whole thing we started at we were working as an entrepreneur really got a good idea about how you you know found the right people around you uh, in order to really learn about this entrepreneurship thing how to get started we learned how you got started so instead of doing things online you actually started offline um, of course, you got featured in all these media outlets, magazines, television programs, the TED Talks. Now looking back, at, looking back at all those activities, what were like one of the major lessons that you have learned or what were like the biggest turning points in, in your career so far? Would you say it was a TED Talk or it was getting a business mentor or like what of the things that you've done um, do you think have impacted your business?
1: I think I would Big. I would pick there there were several milestones, but I think the biggest actually was a change of my mindset. Because sure. I really want to stress this because when I was starting, I was looking at people out there who were doing what I wanted to be doing. For example, yeah. Ollie, right? Ollie Richards, Benny Lewis and Steve Kaufman, for example. They they had so many people following them and I thought it's so easy for them, right? No one knows mm-hmm. about me, no one follows me. And I can yeah. never catch up with them, right? I mean they're, they're, they're just they have so so many people and for me in overcoming this hurdle was probably the biggest step because many people never start with a business because they think they can never catch up and it's too late and you know they should have started five years ago but mm. even benny thought so when he started with his blog way back in the 2000s mm. and uh that that's that's something i um i think i would definitely need to mention because this this overcoming the mindset of I am so small and I will never be big and you know, no one will ever know about me. You just need to start doing what you what you love and, and take it step by step. And you mm. don't need to be the biggest one in the world. It doesn't need to be the goal to reach within a year. But mm. um, just to just to realize that everybody starts from zero. Everybody had zero followers at the beginning. I think this is this is something that when you when you manage to overcome that, that can start the process and you can actually start doing something.
0: Well, great. It was a very good, but also very, I would say, unexpected tip here at the end of this interview. I didn't see that one coming, but yes, people always talk about, you know, you can learn the what's, you can always learn how to build a business, how to run Facebook ads, how to write good email copy. But if you, if you don't have the right mindset, um, it's, it's not going to work. Exactly.
1: And also, you can always change your mindset. Even if right now you are doubting so many things about, yourself being successful or being an entrepreneur. If you just continue learning about these things, it can totally change and it will change if you don't stop. So Mm. make sure you are with people who are entrepreneurs or who are ambitious, who want to do something, make a difference. And I think whether it's a matter of a few weeks or a few months or even a year, you can Mm. totally change where you are today uh, from
0: where you will be in
1: some time in the future.
0: If I would ask you what do you think is the best way to change your mindset then would you say hanging out with people who are a step, uh, a step further than you?
1: Yes, but being around the right people because if I had stayed with the people who were telling me oh come on Lydia you can never make a business out of this, stop dreaming and get a proper job, I would yeah. never get anywhere, right? But I decided to actually block these people, I, I mean I kept meeting them but I wouldn't talk about my business ideas with them. Yeah. And instead, I kept talking to people who were excited about my ideas, and they said, oh, that would be awesome, and you can do this and that, and you can talk to this person about that. And and that's how I kept getting ahead, step by step, changing my mindset as well.
0: Mm. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, well, a very important lesson here learned with Lydia is not so much about, you know, how to how to create the, the perfect course or how to, I don't know, how to create the ideal program, how to, do your, how to get your marketing perfect. It's about that mindset and um, how to do that, surround yourself with the right people. And you guys managed to surround yourself with the right people because you just spent another 40, well, almost 45 minutes with Lydia Machoba here. Um, Lydia, thank you very much for this interview and uh, yeah, you Want to let the people know where they can find you?
1: Yeah, so my website is called languagementoring.com. We yeah. are on Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube, so you just type language mentoring and you'll definitely find me.
0: Yeah, and if you search for Lydia's name on Google, the you will, I think, the first thing that pops up is that TED Talk, right? So make sure to yeah. check that out as well. Um, Lydia, thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, somewhere and at an event um, soon
1: yeah thank you and it was a pleasure
0: want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events then go to our website langpreneur.com thanks for listening and see you in the next episode